Good morning, everyone. I'm wondering, is there anyone here who ever thought you'd like to try being a pastor? Raise your hand. I see one back there. Uh, Here's another related. Is there anyone here who ever thought you'd like to try being a conference president? Raise your hand. Okay, a gentleman with a raised hand. You want to come down a minute? Yeah, we didn't we didn't connect beforehand. Yes, come on down. That's not exactly the hot seat, but you're going to think it is. <laughs> now, first, let's uh, let's get acquainted. I'm still learning everybody's name. Tell us. Tell me who you are. <laughs> Hello, I'm Andre. Andre, yes. where are you from? And I'm um, from right now, I live in Black Creek. I'm originally from Detroit. <laughs> well, you picked a good time to get out of there. <laughs> Detroit? Yeah. Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough town, isn't it? Why don't we take a minute and say a prayer for the folks you left behind, all right? Father, we do pray for that city, which has hit the international news about its financial state. Bless the people that live there, Lord. It's not a happy place, but you can make it with your presence. And so draw near there. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, Andre, this is not four faces of faith. That's coming the next time. The scripture you just heard is an introduction for the next message. But this is called, Andre... You be the pastor, all right? All right, I'm going to give you, now, this is hypothetical. This is not an actual church, all right, okay. we're talking about, nor are these actual people, Okay. all right, follow? Okay, I'm going to call it the Centerville Seventh-day Adventist Church, okay. and they've had such an incredible influx of young families and scads of children. You have no room for them in Sabbath school. And furthermore, everybody's talked for years about starting a church school. And they're saying, hey, with all the, we really ought to do that. Why don't we do double? Well, the board chewed on it, and they decided a couple of meetings back, let's add a wing. We'll have four classrooms, an office, a couple of restrooms. We'll have showers. We'll have a gym and a nice storage room, all right? And we can use the rooms for double dose. We can use them for Sabbath school and also church. Sound great, right? Sounds good. So the uh, board went to a local architectural firm, and they came back with, a, with the drawings and the guesses of what it would cost. And the board put out word, we want some bids. Well, one of the newer couples, we'll call him Josh, all right? Joshua or Josh came in with a winning bid. Okay. Fine, wonderful, except your head deacon. His name is Haman. Everybody calls him Haim. Everybody loves him to pieces, Andre, okay. including you, all right? He can do no wrong. He's a builder as well as Josh. Now, those two guys, Josh too new to have met. Okay, okay. Um, so he has done a lot of, he's a builder, and he's done a lot of work around the church, but he's never turned in a bid. And at the meeting where they opened the bid, somebody said, 
where's the bid? Haim was missing. They didn't know where he was, but somebody says, where's the bid from Haim? And somebody says, well, he never turns in a bid. And somebody, the treasurer, said, well, you know, this is so much money, we can't do what Haim likes, cost plus. We got to have a firm bid, okay? So they awarded the contract to Josh. What do you think happened Sunday? What do I think happened Sunday? Hmm. Haim showed up with his people and equipment and started setting up to begin. All right? Monday, by the way, and you you may want to do this as well, there are two questions, Andre, you've got to answer. Pastor Andre, number one, what is the problem? And number two, what do you think you're going to do about it? Follow, all right. Now, Monday morning, here comes Josh with his people and equipment, and he's flabbergasted. What is going on here? I got, he pulls the contract out and reads it. Sure enough, it's signed. He signed it. You signed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he pulls over. He gets out with the contract in hand, walks up to this guy. looks like this, it was Hank. And he says, morning. He says, morning. Who are you and what are you doing here? And Haim says, well, I'm Haim, the head deacon. Being a head deacon, he would be on the board and know all about the contract, right? Right. But he didn't turn in a bit, did he? No. No, okay. So he says, uh, what do you mean, what am I doing here? We're going to build a nice addition on it. He says, I don't think so here. And he shows him the contract. Haim reads it and starts turning bright red. Now, what would that mean, Pastor? He's a little angry. Could be, you think? (laughs) Could be. I mean, our darling, well, anyhow. But he noticed something, that Josh's last name is the same as yours. And he says, are you and a pastor related? And he said, we're first cousins. Our dads are brothers. And he really turned red at that point, Andre. By the way, I really appreciate you coming down here. He, uh, he says, turns to his men, he says, all right, pack it up. We're out of here. And off they go, and Josh started. Only all week, guess what? That was two weeks ago. Okay. Guess what's going on? Everybody gets a copy of the letter that you have on your desk of him resigning from head deacon. And then all week long, everybody's getting a phone call about you and your nepotism. How come I'm a loyal son of the church and they give the contract to the pastor's cousin? This past Sabbath, he wasn't in church, nor was his wife, nor any of his family. They're all gone. And everybody got home. You found a letter on your desk resigning, asking all of their membership be dropped, and everybody got a copy of it at home. Now, somebody came and told you there are about four people who have gone to the conference about this situation, and they're demanding Josh be pulled off the job and Haim be given the job. 
All right, Pastor, you got the details down? Question one, what's the problem? And question two, what do you propose to do about it? Well, I would say probably I'm the problem if I get a job to my cousin and review everything. You think you're the problem? Yeah, I think so. You I think you're the a, problem? I created a big mess. <laughs> <laughs> do you agree or disagree with this analysis with the pastor here? How many, how many of you agree? Raise your hand. Well, we've got one agree. A couple. How many of you disagree? Oh, all right. Uh, anybody want to be brave and come down and share why you disagree? Look at all these brave soul pastors. <laughs> okay, Andre, I'll tell you what. I'm going to let you escape to anonymity. But thanks so much for Thank coming you. down. All right. And we'll, uh, we'll pursue this. Actually, how many problems are there, folks? What is problem one? Somebody's ego. He didn't turn in a bid. He likes to work on cost plus. But his ego makes him think, I deserve this. I've been a loyal son of the church. I've been the head deacon for all these years. They owe it to me. So you've got a problem with the ego of your head deacon. That's problem one. What's problem two? Again, this is hypothetical. This isn't a real situation with real people, okay? What's problem number two? Where is the pastor sitting? On the hot seat. People are going to the conference over him. Get him out of here. This nepotism we can't have and so on, right? We have in the church, because of Haim, a crisis in trust with a pastor. Can you see that? Now, question two is, what do you do about it? Now, we could have done this. You'd be the president and Mr. or Mrs. President. What do you do? Move him? Go in and chew everybody out? (laughs) Now, again, this is hypothetical. But it's actual, and I designed this because I wanted you to understand better the predicament that God has been in since the beginning of this world. You see, Josh, well, the building of the wing symbolizes the building or the creating of planet Earth, all right? One of them, it was to be the most beautiful planet made yet. Haim represents who? The devil. Who does Josh represent? The Lord, Jesus, the Son. Who does the pastor represent? God. 
I'll tell you the story first, and then we will read it. Get your Bible out and find Isaiah 14. We're going to start there, all right? Uh, That'll be the first of three texts we'll look at. The word went out that this planet was in the works. Gorgeous, beautiful. And what is Lucifer renowned as? Beauty epitomized. He's covered with every precious stone, and I don't think they were just picked up off the ground. I think they were cut and polished. And every move he made, what happened? You have rainbows dancing. Some of the some of the, the precious and semi-precious stones that coated him, I've never seen. I don't have a clue what they look like. But he must have been stunning visually. Furthermore, Ellen White says he could sing four notes at a time. The, old, the King James refers to his pipes. This is his vocal cords. He could sing a quartet with himself at one time. Can you imagine how good that must have sounded? Wow. But beauty personified. So he gets word of this. And what does Lucifer think? What does he expect? Beauty. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to be a prime player in this, right? Only he isn't even talked to by anybody. He's cut out totally. Who gets preference over him? The son. And he starts bad-mouthing God. And, and the father talked with him. He says, Lucifer, I couldn't do that because you're not divine. You were created. Furthermore, you know, I created you to do what you're doing right now, the anointed covering cherub. You are absolutely happy in the position you were created to be. You would nowhere be as happy anywhere else. So, and he tried to reason with him. The son tried to reason with him. The angels, some of them came to him. But God finally called a convenient meeting of all of the angels of the entire universe. Must have been a lot of them, huh? Anyhow, he he set them down and he wanted to explain to everyone the relationship he and his son had. As it says in Hebrews 1.3, let all God's angels, what, speaking of the son, worship him. Aha. So all of the angels bow before the son, including you know who. But in his heart, he's saying never again, never again. And after that meeting, Lucifer convenes his own meeting. Now, what has happened to him in the very presence of God? He's turned into Satan. How can that happen? Well, it did. The essence of sin is that middle letter. What is it? I. We'll read it in just a minute. He calls all the angels and introduces his subject, which is himself. And he says, you know, this preferring the son ahead of me is not right. It's mistreating all angels, and I can't permit it in good conscience. I'm going to confront the Father on this, and I'll be glad to represent you if you'd like to join me in this. Pastor, are you with me so far? A big smile and a nod back there. Thank you, Brother Andre. 
And Revelation, well, let's now go to Revelation, uh, Isaiah 14, shall we? Revelation, or Isaiah 14, beginning in verse 12, all right? Maybe it's been a while since you read this text, but maybe it's been a very short time since you have, all right? Revelation, or I, I keep saying Revelation, I'll get there yet. Isaiah 14, 12, how are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. Now stop there for just a minute. Do you catch the significance of the direction north? Well, Jerusalem is kind of a hilly area. And in the north side, I forget what the name of the hill is, but in the north side were all the government buildings. So when he says, I'm going to sit in the north, what is he saying? Very next verse says it plainly. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And to do it, what is he telling the angels? All kinds of, all about the Father. God is harsh, vindictive, unforgiving, unreasonable, judgmental, all kinds of negative things. And even for the, how, what percent of the angels stuck with him? Two-thirds. Even in the two-thirds, not just the wonder, but the two-thirds, Is he, isn't he, what kind of God are we actually worshiping? When is the last time you checked your insurance policy on your house? Does it mention tornadoes? What does it say about tornadoes and floods and other things like that? It calls them what? Acts of God? Oh, yes. Does God really do that kind of thing? You see, what was going on because of Lucifer's horribly inflated ego and having become the devil in the presence of God? He wants to be number one at all costs. And if not, everybody's going to pay for it. And through all of this, he now has brought about a crisis of trust in the entire universe about God. So the question is, well, we'll get to that in a minute, question two. All right, I want you to go to Ezekiel 28. Now this is under the figure of the king of Tyre. But it says you were in Eden, the garden of God. And the king of Tyre, no king of Tyre was ever there. So obviously he's simply symbolic, just like Haim and Josh and Pastor Andre were symbolic as we started this morning. All right. Ezekiel 28, beginning 
with verse 12 again, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Uh, Who all was there, by the way? You had Adam, Eve, the Lord, and who else? A serpent that was talking. Don't you wish they hadn't talked to him? Well, anyhow, going on. Every precious stone was your covering. Some of them sardius, topaz, diamond. Well, I know what diamonds look like because I occasionally see them. I remember the other day I was leaving them all and right in a corner where you turn to go out is a jewelry store and they had them all on display with lights lighting them and you look at them. They're gorgeous. No wonder some people love to be covered with diamonds. Anyway, it says at the end of verse 13, on the day that you were, what? Created. They were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You, catch verse 15, folks. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you what? It said you sinned. Did God make the devil? God made a perfect angel that he gave something to, and that was what? You've got the same thing. A moral nature, it's called the power to choose. Do you have to be bad? (laughs) Oh, pastor, you don't know. (laughs) You don't have to be bad. You don't have to be good either, right? It's your what? It's your choice. That's right. You know, I was on the elevator in a hospital one time, and I think about the second floor, the door, it stopped, and the door opened. And I'm standing right in the middle in front of the door, and about that far from me is a lady standing there, nose to nose, and she says to me, are you going up or are you going down? And it struck me funny, and I said, well, I hope I'm going up, but the elevator is going down. She laughed. She said, I hope I go with you. But since I'm going up on the elevator, I'm going to wait for the next. Anyhow, you know, you have a power to choose. That's what Lucifer had. He didn't have to stay good if he didn't want to. And he chose not to. He chose. It's, it's called the mystery of iniquity. How do you explain it? How can a person become demonic in the very presence of God? I don't know, but that's what happened. That's what happens. The question is then, with a crisis of trust, besides what's happened on planet Earth now in the garden? Do you realize when the Lord said, leave that tree alone? He'd also told the snake, that's the only place you can have access to them. And here comes Eve and talks with them. They had fallen. So not only... 
to you who have one-third of the angels and the devil, their former leader. By the way, God also told them in that meeting, from now on, my son is going to be your commander, all of the angels, which was a a big demotion of, of Lucifer. But God was trying to reason with him. He believes in tough love, and I'm glad he does. He's exhibited to me several times, and I always came out better because of it, folks. You will too. Anyhow, you not only now have lost angels, a lost race on planet Earth, this most beautiful of planets, you also have a crisis in trust where everybody's sitting there. What about God? If he had wiped out the devil on the spot, can you imagine one of the angels coming to Gabriel the next day saying, you've heard this illustration before, he says, Gabriel, do you hear what Lucifer, hap- what happened to him, what God did yesterday? Yeah? Well, what do you think? Hey, Lucifer, where are you going? I want to know what you think. I'm not going to say what I think. And what's happened? The whole basis of people, angelic peoples relating to God, suddenly they don't trust him anymore. And so as God, question two, what do you do about this? How do you demonstrate your trustability? Anybody here come to the conclusion you can trust God? You can believe in him? You know you're safe and secure with him? In all these acts of God, that's only insurance lingo? Let's go on, all right? Verse 17, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Who made the devil the devil? He did. It wasn't anything God created or set up. And if he hadn't had the power of choice, just like if you didn't, it's like somebody pushing the button. You say, I love you. What does that mean? It's just a recording. It doesn't mean anything. But if somebody comes up to you and puts their arms around you and from their heart in their eyes with a voice soft and melodious says, I love you so much. That means a lot, right? And that's what God wants to hear from us. not that I love you, I love you, I love you. That, that is meaningless. That's why we have a moral nature, a choice. Have you used your choice yet? I did one time. One of these days I'll tell you about the night it happens. All right? All right. Going on, let's go to Revelation, this time chapter 12. At last we're here. All right? Revelation 12. We call this... The great, what, controversy, this struggle. This okay, verse 7. Now, war arose in heaven. I'm using the ESV wording. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who's called what? The devil and what? Satan means accuser. 
the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser, Satan, the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. He came down here and God let him go on. Now here's a question. Anybody follow the news, either on television or internet or newspaper or something, news magazine? What do you think of what's going on in the world? How about Egypt right now? What a mess, right? Wow, what a mess. You wonder, and here's a question that really troubles people. If God is such a wonderful, good, loving, incredible God, how come there's this horrible stuff going on? Has that ever troubled you? Now, if you have the answer, it's not troubling you anymore, but it may have one time really troubled you. And if you've joined us on the Internet today, you may be wondering about that very thing. God chose to allow Satan to continue in this planet working out the principles of his government. I got a better way. And he goes on. And more and more because of sin, all he can do is hate and destroy. Anything you have, he'll take away. The story of Job. What did he do to poor Job? But you know, Job was not the center of that. Who was? God. He was saying, why do you think Job is serving you? Look at what you gave him. And the implication is what? You take it away and he'll curse you to your face. You're not worth worshiping. You're only good for what you give. How'd you like to be accused of that? This is the kind of thing God has put up with from Satan from time immemorial. He had no choice but to let him go on. And the way God has been managing and administrating planet Earth and the affairs down here is so that when it's all over and done and everything's finished and completed, everyone can step back and take a look at it. And the question can be asked, where is the truth? And everyone, including the devil, will bow the knee before the Lord and they'll say, you are righteous, you are holy. Satan was wrong. He was lying about you, Father. Does this make sense? And when that happens, you know what's going to happen? he will be able to finally deal with the enemy. And it'll be all over. But if you have come to the conclusion, you know what? I don't need to wait till the end because I see it already. 
I see where Satan's wrong. He's lying about God. I see God. I can trust him. And you have chosen already to put your trust in this loving God who gave so much so you could be there with him. And you know what? Then for you, the great controversy is ended. Amen? It's just a matter of waiting for God to act. But as you see all this stuff going on, it doesn't trouble you because you know ultimately behind it all, who is there? God. And whatever you might have come up missing because you lived in a sinful world, guess what's going to happen when the day comes? God is going to give it back to you. There's a poem called The Hound of Heaven, which you need to read with a dictionary in the other hand, by a guy named Thompson. He's British. He's got a vocabulary. You, I mean, he's probably dead long since, but he had a vocabulary you wouldn't believe, like the Oxford Annotated Dictionary. You know, wow. Anyhow, in this poem, it's the story of a man running away from God. And at the end, he can't run any farther And God has been like a bloodhound following him his whole life. And he says, halts by me that footfall. I can't get away from this brute. I fled him down the ears, down the arches of time, down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. I fled him and my heart. And then he says, can it be this gloom is the shadow of his hand outstretched caressingly. I love that poem. brings me to tears every time I read it. And God speaks to him. He says, you know, of all earth's clods, you are the dingiest. Who will you find to love ignoble you save me, save only me? Child all that your foolish fancy has being lost. I didn't take it for your harm. I took it so that you would seek it in my arms. I have it all for you at home. Rise, let's go. The day is coming when God is going to give you all the things he always wanted to, but he couldn't because there was a war raging. But the war is going to be over. The darkness will pass away. The light will shine. And you'll step back and your eyes will glisten and gleam and you'll never feel so good as you do with a new body. And you look at that father sitting on the throne and you say, oh, God, I'm so glad I chose to trust you. Yes. The great controversy can be over right now. It's a matter of just choice. Father, I want to trust you. And if you're having a difficult time with it, you tell him that too. He already knows it. Father, I want to trust you, but can you help me do that? He will. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're a wonderful God. We sometimes complain to you 
prayer about how difficult it has been to live here and how it's hurt. And we didn't get this, and we're disappointed, and we lost that, and we're disappointed. And, oh, but Father, think what this sin has cost you, the loss of your top angel and one-third of all the others you loved, and you still do, every one of them. Oh, Father, how kind of good you are, how loving. What the devil has said about you is all wrong. And this morning, we say all over again, we trust you. You are trustworthy. Thank you, Father, for your understanding. And you waited so patiently as we worked our way through this. Oh, Father, and thank you that the lost race is lost no longer and that evil is on its way to extinction soon. So we're going to sing to you now. You're wonderful, and we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And now you know the truth about Jesus. He came to save the lost, but far more than that, what did he come to do? To show us what our Father in heaven is really like. Study the cross if you're still doubting and not sure you want to trust. Oh, Father, you who gave the great Jesus, the shepherd, the guardian, the savior, the sacrifice of the sheep, to you we give praise and glory and honor and blessing and our love and loyalty now and ever. May you ever be praised. May you ever be exalted. And may our lives be as revealing of you as was Jesus. Thank you for being such a God. We praise and worship you today. Amen.